Hey, and welcome to another episode of Control Alt Azure. This episode is sponsored by Solveto. Stay ahead of the game and advance your career with continuous learning opportunities for Azure cloud professionals. Solveto, EduHouse, learning as a lifestyle. Start the journey now by going to eduhouse.fi slash cloudpro. I'm Tobias. I'm back again with UC. What's up? Hey, Tobias. I think I'm I'm starting a gluten-free diet. And when <laughs> oh, I say okay. I think, it's 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 more like I've been trying to do it for a couple of days now. And and the idea just popped into my head as I was eating a super nice pizza during the Easter break. And I was like, do I need wheat in my food? Probably no. So I'm not super careful with my diet normally, but this one probably requires a bit more focus, especially with pasta and bread. And and my goal here is to learn something new and and perhaps as a side effect, I, I feel this encourages me to eat more vegetables, more fruit, because often you have this small craving early in the evening and you're like, I feel like I want to eat something, but you don't want to really prepare anything. So you go to the kitchen and you find bread or whatever, and you just have a couple of slices. And I'm like, do I really need this? No, perhaps no. So it's been a couple of days. Let's see how this goes. Yeah, that that's interesting. I've I've got a lot of people around me here that's doing gluten free, and they they claim that they are living a much healthier lifestyle uh, overall, which is good. But it does take some focus, especially with pizza. Every time you order a pizza, or if you bake it yourself, you have to yeah get the alternative dough for that. But it's doable, definitely doable. So uh, yeah, just make conscious choices about it. Please document and come back to us saying, you know, this worked or didn't work or, you know, what are the main effects? For me, I cut bread out of, you know, I used to have maybe five slices of bread per day, some for breakfast, from some for the evening. I cut that out and that made a huge difference. On my side, we had a great Easter holiday here in Sweden and took a few days off to extend um, the weekend because they were bank holidays. So. I spent some time with the family and with my parents and we booked a hotel, got some great food and wine and enjoyed life a little bit as we try to do. And then during the like Easter weekend, we also went to something called Konstrunda in my, my neck of the woods. And that's like an art exhibit for uh, you know a, a variety of artists uh, in our neck of the woods. So we visited some of those. Uh, some of them are in private houses and some are you know in open galleries. But instead of actually buying any art, uh, I donated some of my income to charities, as I do annually, and and try to yeah, do my my small few cents of the big charity picture. So that's a good kind of. It was a great weekend, and I ended it off with um, sending a, a big chunk of my um, you know last month's salary to uh, to charity. So it's a really good feel good weekend. I'm I'm coming off of like a feel good high from that perspective. So that's, uh, yeah, that's what I've been up to. That sounds awesome for sure. So today we are talking about keeping skills relevant and the renewing of your certifications. And I, I feel spring always seems to be the time when you want to, well, you don't want to, but you have to, but you also want to renew your Microsoft certifications. And we had a look and we talked about certifications in a couple of episodes, like we focus on a specific Azure 
certification and how to prefer for that specifically. And all the way back in episode number five, which was years ago, we talked about mastering Microsoft Azure certifications, but that was years ago. So perhaps it's good to sort of quickly do a check-in on this topic and also sort of reflect if we changed any of our perception on this, or is it still the same what we talked about in episode number five? So, so Toby, for you, are certifications something you think on a, on a weekly basis? Or is it something you sort of time box maybe for February, let me do all the renewals, then I don't really think about this for the rest of the year? Yeah, that, I think that's a very valid question. Like how often do you think about certifications or do you think about them at all? So in my previous role, before joining Microsoft in my current role, certifications was like mandatory because we had to keep up a Microsoft partner status. And to do that, you need X amount of individuals, a number of individuals to take specific certifications in specific areas to reach the like gold partnership specialty for whatever. So back then I did that more. Now I do certifications actively still, uh, but more for my own learning. So that's kind of the two angles I have for certifications. One is when the company needs them to become a, a partner and, and maintain that partnership. Uh, status. The other one is for my individual kind of skilling. So I do certifications right now fairly regularly, which means to me just a few per year because it's not something that I really target and and set you know set on the horizon. So I I think it's a uh, it's a valid question to take time and reflect on you know how relevant are certifications for me. It's about skilling and my my own personal gain in knowledge and perspective learning about things I may have gaps or weaknesses on in my knowledge bank. So so that's kind of how I approach it. What about you? For me, I, I think I'm almost on the same boat, but in a slightly different mode. I deliver trainings, classroom and, and, and online events and webinars and, and prepping sessions for a quite a wide variety of, of different certifications. So that sort of internally enforces me to keep up to date. Oh, there's this and this new certification. Should I do this? Should I look into it? Should I prep for this? Am I qualified? Am I ready to deliver this one? For example, I did a couple of Power Platform uh, training sessions, uh, I think last week, yeah. And for that, I need to have completed those certifications but that's just not enough. I also need to know the services and the topics and the capabilities where it's headed. And, and for that, I feel it's more challenging now because you have so much more to study on. Back in the day when you would do something like the MCSE, the Microsoft Certified Solution Engineer, I think, or Systems Engineer, uh, for NT4, that was in 1997, I think. Uh, then you had one book or, or four books, one on each main topic. You would study those and you would essentially know all there was worth knowing on that given topic. But now you study on a snapshot of that data. And a week from now, there's changes, something has been added, something has been removed. Sometimes it's a, it's a minor update, sometimes it's a major update. And you sort of have to continuously follow up on those topics. 
otherwise, at least that's how I feel. Otherwise, people might perceive you as, well, you know the stuff, but you're somehow outdated because your knowledge is from two years ago. And since then, we've had eight quarterly updates on whatever service. And I feel that's sort of the positive challenge there. Yeah, and and, and that's why I love these renewal exams as well, because they, they pick up some, some of those things. I, I think we'll brush a bit more on those. So I, I love that perspective. And, and I, I think that's a, it's a healthy reminder that, you know, the tech landscape just keeps evolving. It changes all the time. Right. And I think this is a good thing as opposed to back in the day, like you said, you might get the book, the big book for getting whatever certification you were aiming for. If you knew every page in the book, you could easily pass the exam. But I, I think the like new role-based exams, they, if you have experience in these areas, you can pass it pretty easily most of the time. But if you don't have the experience and you need to study for it, it might be a, a bigger challenge because the information is a bit more spread out. It requires more, you know, staying more up to date as opposed to getting one book. And then you can read this book for three years if you want. But I think that's a good thing. So certifications are evolving a little bit. It does require more up to date knowledge. And personally, I would love to see the exams getting updated quarterly or even monthly to get new stuff, replacing questions, keeping them up to date. Uh, so if you did take the exam in the last three months, it might have been, you know, half of the questions might have been new to someone who took it a year ago. That's what I would love to see because that would more represent, you know, a realistic certification experience to me as based on whatever the technology is today. So like to learn more about these things, I know we talked about this in Mastering Microsoft Azure certifications in episode five, like you mentioned. And I think we mentioned a couple of times the certification poster and like going to learn.microsoft.com slash certifications and stuff like that. So the certification poster, is that still something you take a look at? Yeah, I, I use it frequently, perhaps not on a weekly basis, but quite often I'm in a meeting or I'm delivering a session. Somebody is asking, so what other certifications do exist for Microsoft? So that's still in the same vanity URL, aka.ms slash cert poster. I, I used to use slash train cert poster, but then somebody figured that, well, maybe we could just go with cert poster. So that's a single PDF file, a single page with everything available for Azure Dynamics 365, Microsoft 365, Power Platform, security, and even if I sort of feel that I remember them all, I've sort of memorized all the certification exam numbers, but there's areas like Dynamics 365. I really don't work at all with that. So if somebody's asking me, hey, you see, can you deliver MB240? I'm like, let me, let me first see what it is, but MB tells me it's business application. So it's Dynamics. No, I cannot. But then I will go and check on the on the certification poster that MB240 is Dynamics 365 Field Service Functional Consultant Associate grade certification. And I have no idea what a field service functional consultant needs to know. <laughs> so that's enough for me to know that it's not my area of expertise. But this is super useful. It's so visual. And you can click on any of the exams and it takes you to the actual exam detail page. Yeah. Yeah. So then I, I agree with that. 
it's a great overview. You can also see like the expert level certifications and you can see the required exams for each cert and then get the bigger picture. So I love that. And also the like if you go to Microsoft.com slash certifications, I know you can find a lot of information about what certificates to take and why they're relevant and, and stuff like that. And from there, you can also browse all certs uh, by role or by product or by level. So if it's an associate or an expert and stuff like that. So I really like that experience because that's something that frequently comes up whenever we talk about certifications with someone. They come in and say, all right, cool, which one should I take next? Or what does the career path look like for this type of certification? Or this is my career, which are the ones I should focus on? So then you can browse all the available uh, certifications in any given area or for any product you're working with. So that's pretty cool. But one thing that I was thinking about, you know, we touched on this couple, of, I think this is three years ago when we talked about uh, this the last time in the Mastering Microsoft Azure Certifications episode, episode number five. So things have happened since, I think, maybe, maybe not. But like, what is your perspective now on skilling and upskilling and keeping, like staying relevant? The cert poster is great. Going to Microsoft.com slash certifications is great. You can see all the certifications but to learn or ramp up. Now let's imagine that you decided to take SCE 100, the cybersecurity one or whatever, uh, or the AZ 500 for Azure security. So you decided to take a certification. How do you, like you use it, not anyone in general, <laughs> but how do you use it, stay relevant and upskill? How do you prepare for whatever the requirements are? So years ago, I would simply prepare by getting the uh, the trainer's guide from Microsoft. So that's a slight small benefit you get as a Microsoft certified trainer, an MCT. You get this massive PDF file, it's 600 or 900 pages, and I would read that. It would have everything. But even if that's still available, I feel that for a lot of the exams that I envision I'm going to do in the future, for a lot, of, a lot of those, I already know the services and the platforms, and I know I just need to brush up a little bit or perhaps look at some of the bits I'm not that familiar or I don't really need in, in my daily job. So Microsoft Learn, and this is super confusing because it used to be called Microsoft Docs, so docs.microsoft.com. Now it's Microsoft Learn, but I feel there's like two sides. There's Microsoft learn, learn, meaning you go there <laughs> to learn something, to, to skill up, to upskill. And then there's Microsoft Learn Docs, which is the product documentation. <laughs> and, and they sort of sort of mix and match at, the, at times. So what I do nowadays, I don't really bother with the, uh, with the actual guide that the MCTs get, because it's too time consuming to read 600 pages on anything. What I do, though, do is I check the learning path and they are free of charge and available for, for everybody. So you go to learn.microsoft.com, you find whatever topic or whatever exam, and there's an online self-learning approach. And it doesn't mean you have to spend hours and hours on that one. Because what I've often found is that if I've done maybe three security exams, and I know I, I need to do the fourth one. I typically have enough knowledge and insights on what I'm missing from that fourth one that I don't need to go from A to Z 
on everything. It's enough to sort of pick and choose the modules that, oh, there's something about Sentinel that I haven't used. Let me sort of skim through the module. It's text. There's often an exercise, maybe hands-on lab. That's one approach. And if it's a particularly complex topic, something that I know, well, I, I'm not really too great with this yet. What I do is I check GitHub. There's often lengthier labs, lengthier guidance on GitHub. A lot of that is already available on Microsoft Learn. But if you go to GitHub, you typically go directly to the source. There might be open issues. There might be pull requests. There might be all sorts of things that give you those tiny details that help you form the big picture. And that's what I feel I often need. I need the big picture so that I can position certain topics under an umbrella of, let's say, a mental taxonomy on the topic, instead of knowing super deep dive on all the tiny, small things. So yeah. so that's that's probably for me. How about for you, if, if you chose to now do an exam, let's say, two weeks from now? Yeah, so I, I think that, that echoes how I do things. And as an MCT, I was that for many years uh, back in the day, and, and I'm also an MCT today. Uh, it's great, like you say, you get the, the learning material for, for the trainer, like the trainer's handbook. You could go through things. But uh, what you touched on here, you know, the labs, going to the labs, it's, it's a great idea. If there's an area I haven't worked with, I really want to work with it as opposed to just studying about it. So going to the lab, spinning up an environment, taking it for a spin and, you know, going through the self-paced material, it's awesome. So I, I think that's a, a really good thing. So like for me, I've always been a self-learner. I'm driven by my curiosity and therefore like anything self-paced and valid that com com comes with valid documentation has been my go-to for getting my skills updated. I tinker with things, I explore capabilities, and I tie this together then with the relevant docs and learning resources. But most of my learnings come from the real world of designing, architecting, and operating solutions in the cloud. So to your point there, that you know you should know most of these things if you work with it. And I think there are two camps or two angles to doing certifications here, and maybe that's something we can talk about at length in a in a different episode. But I see a lot of people on social media saying, hey, I now took my, I don't know, 25th certification, but they never worked with the topic, right? They studied for it and they are excellent learners in whatever they need to know to pass the bar for that exam, but may or may not have the experience of actually working with it. And others go the other direction. Like I, I don't want to get a certification, but I have worked with it. So I don't need to study, I think. So let's just do it. That's how I did a lot of my certifications as well. Just took a look at the requirements. I have worked with it try to identify the gaps that I haven't looked at, read through what I need to understand um, to pass the bar and then just do the exams. So like the value of certifications, coming back to the what we talked about in the beginning of the episode, it, it probably differs depending on, you know, whose badge it is, so to say, because just because you have the certification doesn't really mean that you have experience. It means you have knowledge and that's something different. But that's something I think now as we talk about it, I, I might have an, an idea for an episode where we talk about knowledge versus experience and, you know, how to leverage one for the other, because you can leverage your knowledge to gain experience, but you can also leverage your experience to build on your knowledge. Uh, but that's going to get too deep for this episode, and I, I feel philosophical already. Uh, but that's how I approach it. Self-learner, I want to try things out, take the documentation for a spin and, and the labs for a spin and see 
you know, what are the gaps I can self-identify and say, all right, I need to brush up on networking and whatever it is, then find the requisites, uh, prerequisites for networking for this particular exam and go read the relevant resources. So that's pretty much how I do it. One of the things that I do nowadays is that if I have a look at a lab, the lab might be 20 pages on revisioning something, configuring something, integrating something. I sort of look at the high level steps like, okay, provision, create this, 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 and this, and then connect those together and you're done. Then I just discard the lab and do it on my own, figure it out on my own. It might take slightly longer, but it's more motivational for me. And I feel I'm following up and sort of internalizing better what I'm doing instead of following this sort of step-by-step -step list of doing things. I, I sort of lose interest on in that quite quickly. But if I build it myself and I run into a problem, then I at least know how did I end up in here to figure out how to get away from here. So renewing certifications then, if you've achieved one or more, uh, perhaps Azure related certifications, what you have to do, you have to renew those. And the role-based certifications, which are quite typical for, for Azure, are valid for one year. So if you pass one on, let's say, January 1st, it will be available until the next January 1st. And you have to renew that same exam before it expires. And you do get a six month notice, meaning that if you pass the exam on January 1st, you get a notice in June that you have until end of December to renew that exam. Is, is your experience the same? Do you typically get the six month notice? And, and do you wait on the last day or, or do you do it on the same day you get the notice? Yeah, I get it. I mark it as red in my inbox and then I forget about it. And then, <laughs> you know, 30 days ahead or whatever it is, um, you get a reminder saying, hey, this is going to expire if you don't actually do it now. And then I start taking a look at it. And the reason for that is I don't really see the renewals as a, a big bar to to jump over. They are pretty easy, I think, if you're knowledgeable and experienced in, in the area. So if you actively work with whatever the topic is, shouldn't be a problem. But also, you can redo it. Like, what happens if you fail? Because I, I think we talked about that in one episode as well. So what happens if you fail doing a renewal? Well, you can just do a renewal again right now. You can just try it out again. But if you then fail again, you have to wait 24 hours, and then you can do it again with the same questions. So doing a renewal, it's a good kind of check-in saying, do you still want to have this certification? Is it still relevant for you? If it is, here's a couple of questions to kind of ask you, do you know, uh, you know these topics still? And they usually put some changes in there, like some added stuff that happened in the last half year or whatever, some updates to the content. But don't fear the renewal exam. You're you're fine to retake it. You don't have to schedule a time. It's not proctored. You don't have to book with any of the big like certification houses or, or companies for doing this. You can just spin up the website, click the button, and then do it. There's no proctored or monitored uh, experience with doing this. So I think that's like just do it. For me, I just usually wait because when I read the email, I have another 250 unread emails. So this goes pretty low in priority. But then when the reminder comes up saying, hey, you're going to expire if you don't take it, then, okay, cool. I'm 
gonna take a look at that and and hopefully pass pass the exam but with unlimited tries i have done a renewal i failed because i thought i knew everything about the topic or enough i did not and it identified hey you should probably take a look at these things so you can sharpen the edge of your uh, knowledge blade if you will in these areas and i did and then i took it again 24 hours later done so yeah that's uh, i love the renewals they are a good kind of way to stay up to date Agreed on that one. They are quite quick to do. What I often do is is I allocate 20 minutes during the evening because it's so frictionless. The, the kids often go to bed at maybe 8.30, 9 o'clock, and I go to bed 9.30, 10-ish in the evening. So I know I, I have maybe 20, 30 minutes before I want to hit the bed. But I really don't have the mental energy to do anything productive any longer at that stage of the day. But what I can do is I can sort of take a comfy, comfy position on the on the uh, on the chair or, or the sofa, open the laptop, choose whatever renewable exam that I have. I think I have six, uh, six or seven lined up now. And all I have to do is, is select one, start doing it. It's it's not uh there's no time limit it's unproctored meaning nobody's monitoring how you're doing and it's maybe 25 questions so if you know the stuff you often get a lot of easy questions in in that case it takes you 15 20 minutes maybe and you can you can go and get get a supper while you're doing it you you don't have to pause that because i don't think there's a time limit for that but at the same time, I haven't really tried by leaving the laptop open and coming back in the morning to see if the session is still alive. So I personally, I treat that as a one hour internal timer for myself. I, I can spend one hour, then I'm done. It, it has to pass or fail, but then I can call it a day and come back to it the next day. Yeah, yeah I think our experiences are pretty similar there, but uh, definitely a reminder, like do take the renewal. So if it does expire, you do lose your certification. Like if if you have the shiny badge and you have the certification saying, hey, Tobias is certified as a security engineer or whatever. And if you don't do the renewal, you're gonna lose that. So that's that's good to think about. Um, like think about that again, because even if I deprioritize taking the renewal until like the very last moment, I will make time to actually do it. Otherwise, the hurdle of getting this certification again means you have to do go to the proctored exam, study for that again if you need to study for it, and then schedule a time. You have to pay the money for the exam. Like you have to do all the hoops and loops again just to maintain what you already have earned. So just to reiterate that, make sure you don't let it expire. So I'm not recommending you put this at the bottom of your list if this exam and certification is important to you. If it expires, you have to redo everything. Uh, but if you do the renewal and you fail, you can do it again and you can do it again unlimited times until you pass and then you maintain your certification. So that's kind of the good insights to, to think about whenever you get that email saying, hey, there's another 180 days left. Then you can start thinking, like, do I want to pass on this opportunity or do I just want to take it now, make sure that I tick the box and can move on, which is usually the best option. 
I've I've given this a little bit of thought in the past couple of years, especially during the pandemic. You're sitting at home, you continuously get Teams notifications, emails, and whatnot. Then you get the renewal email, and you're like, "Well, this renewal is for let's say a Microsoft Teams or SharePoint exam. I don't really work with either of those services any 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 longer, except as an end user." So do I want to sort of ramp up back on something that I left behind years ago? But then I figure, well, I did spend the time initially to get the exam done. I studied for that. I perhaps went to a certification test center site and I passed that one. I was proud of that. So why not renew if it takes me 20 minutes? But yeah. what but quite often for stuff like legacy SharePoint certifications eventually Microsoft will retire them and then it doesn't expire for you. It will simply show as as a legacy or 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 somehow a historical certification. You still have it, but it's not relevant anymore. Yeah. Yeah. They're being deprecated. Yeah. And and I think that's that's a good approach. And like coming back to the should you or should you not renew? Well, you should always do that. Uh, if not for your own knowledge, even if like you say, you don't work with Teams or SharePoint or whatever it is as closely anymore, more as an end user and maybe not as the architect and the you know security engineer and stuff like that. It's still relevant to keep the certifications, not just for your personal knowledge and personal gain, uh, but also for the company you work for. If you're a Microsoft partner, these certifications tied to you as an individual will hold quite some weight to achieve the partnership with uh, Microsoft. So that's also a, a good thing for your own kind of career if you choose to go to a different company or if your company needs to achieve a specific partnership like a gold for collaboration or whatever it might be then if you do a renewal and just keep what you already earned a few years ago that's going to be very relevant for the partnership with the company that you work for so that's also just a different angle like it's the benefit to you might not be there if you don't actively work with the technology but it will be there as a kind of passive outcome for the company if you have it, because then the company can count that certification on your list uh, of exams uh, into the bucket uh, leading to the the partnership with Microsoft. Agreed. Agreed on that one. Yeah, I think that's all I had uh, in my mind on certifications and renewals. So in some ways, the thinking perhaps has progressed in the past couple of years, but I also feel that Microsoft made major steps here and made renewal quite easy because it's free. You can do it whenever you don't need to book a time, but also because they've been retiring some of the older exams. So that gives you the opportunity to be more focused on the exams and the technologies you want. Alrighty, the last bit, the unexpected question that we typically have here. Toby, it is going to be your turn to ask me the unexpected. Okay, so I, I have a very important question on my mind right now that aligns with my recent Easter experiences. Uh, what is the best type of cheese? It's a tough one because now I'm thinking what cheese is gluten-free? <laughs> Which one is not? Yeah. Uh, for for me, obviously blue cheese, that's it's great. You can add it on anything, but it's quite common at the same time. So. Armigiano, Reggiano, that's, that's got to be the best cheese ever. 
but it, it has to be the authentic one and it needs to be like a block of parmigiano reggiano's cheese so that you can do the grading yourself yeah. instead of getting sort of the super industrial ones so yeah. that means you have to often travel to italy to get the best type then travel back home and somehow keep it fresh and somehow uh, keep it available whenever you're cooking something. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great and versatile choice. Parmigiana, you can have it with a glass of wine, you can have it um, in cooking, you can have it, well, do a lot of things. Great choice. Um, I have a long list of cheese choices, but <laughs> let's leave that for, for another time. All righty. Thank you for joining us. All right, see you then.